eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven, glory be unto your name that in every situation, in every emergency, you have been there for us. And we also thank you that we are part of the living today. Dear Lord in heaven, we pray that the study of your words today shall bring power and light to us, power to become sons of God, power to have the character of Christ revealed in us. Dear Lord in heaven, grant us graciously of your spirit that we may have not only knowledge but power to do the things that we will learn to do. Consecrate me to your service and put your words in my mouth that your words may sanctify us today. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, December 21 the last of the twelve. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Matthew chapter 5 verse 11 and 12. John lived to be very old. He witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem and the ruin of the stately temple. The last survivor of the disciples who had been intimately connected with the Savior, his message had great influence in setting forth the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, the Redeemer of the world. The rulers of the Jews were filled with bitter hatred against John for his unwavering fidelity to the cause of Christ. They declared that their efforts against the Christians would avail nothing so long as John's testimony kept ringing in the ears of the people. In order that the miracles and teachings of Jesus might be forgotten, the voice of the bold witness must be silenced. John was accordingly summoned to Rome to be tried for his faith. Here before the authorities, the apostles' doctrines were misstated. False witnesses accused him of teaching seditious heresies. John answered for himself in a clear and convincing manner. But the more convincing his testimony, the deeper was the hatred of his opposers. The emperor Domitian was filled with rage. He could neither dispute the reasoning of Christ's faithful advocate nor match the power that attended his utterance of truth. Yet he determined that he would silence his voice. John was cast into a cauldron of boiling oil, but the Lord preserved the life of his faithful servant even as he preserved the three Hebrews in the fiery furnace. As the words were spoken, thus perish all who believe in that deceiver, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. John declared, My master patiently submitted to all that Satan 
and his angels could devise to humiliate and torture him. He gave his life to save the world. I am honored in being permitted to suffer for his sake. I am a weak, sinful man. Christ was holy, harmless, undefiled. He did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. These words had their influence and John was removed from the cauldron by the very men who cast him in. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Last of the Twelve. The twelve being referred to here are the twelve disciples of Jesus. The last of them being John the Beloved is the one who we are looking at and we have begun to look at his life some days before now and I would like to rem- remind us of some of the things that we have seen concerning the days of John the Beloved and the ministry that the Lord used him to do. There was a teaching in his day concerning the nature of Christ and John took it upon himself to address this matter of the nature of Christ and the commandments of God and the possibility of living a pure life like that of Christ. And he was teaching this lesson to everyone and it was a powerful message to the people. As all the apostles were persecuted, all of them from Matthew to John to James who was killed the first one and then Peter we saw how he was beheaded Paul was uh, Peter was nailed to the we saw how he was nailed to the cross upside down Paul was beheaded and all the others Thaddeus Nathaniel Thomas all of them they were all persecuted they were killed every one of them they drank of the cup that cup of honor and glory and the baptized of the baptism of the Lord and John was left. You see, as we hear of this persecution, we've been hearing it for long from the days of Paul. You've been hearing me talk about persecution, persecution, persecution and how we should rejoice in it. It's something that the word of God has already prophesied that will happen to us. The persecution to be suffered by God's people was revealed in the Psalm of David just as the crucifixion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Psalms 44, we read a very interesting exposition of the people of God. When you read from verse 4 to 8, you see the people of God rejoicing in the Lord. They said from verse 4, Thou art my King, O God, command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. Selah. Here is described the people who have not forsaken God but who are faithful to him. Their boast is in the Lord and he is their king. But then, that was verse 8. Their, this their boast in the Lord takes another turn. Let us read now from verse 9. It says, But thou hast cast us off and put us to shame. Now verse 8 says, We boast in the Lord all the day long. Verse 9 says, But thou hast cast us off and put us to shame, and goest not forth with our, en- with our armies. Thou makest us to turn back from the enemy, and they which hate us spoil for themselves. Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat, and hast scattered us among the hidden. Thou sellest thy people for naught, 
and does not increase thy wealth by their price. Thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us. Thou makest us a byword among the hidden, a shaking of the head among the people. My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face hath covered me. For the voice of him that reproacheth and blasphemeth by reason of the enemy and avenger. All this is come upon us, yet have we not forsaken thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from the way. Though thou hast so broken us in the place of dragons and covered us with the shadow of death, if we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Yea, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. Wherefore hidest thou thy face, and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Arise for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Amen. This prophecy in the book of Psalm 44, as you can see, is not the persecution or the punishment of a people who have forsaken the Lord, but rather this is the affliction and destruction of a people who have not turned their back from the Lord. This is an oppression of a people who have not forgotten the name of the Lord, who have not worshipped other gods, but yet the Lord permitted them to be persecuted. This is a prophecy referring to the persecution that God's people would suffer from the days of Christ. John was now having this prophecy fulfilled in his own life. On account of the gospel he preached, Satan had set his eyes on him, and he was brought to face Satan's wrath. The cruelty of Satan was then revealed as he sought to destroy this beloved follower of Jesus. So he honored him with a full cup for him to drink from the cup of the Lord. It was determined that John would be placed into a pot of boiling oil to be baptized with the baptism wherewith the Lord is baptized. Simply put, Satan was going to fry John to death, but as God would have it, we are immortal till our work is done. Amen. John was placed into the pot of boiling oil, but he had no scar. He did not die. He didn't even get injured. A miracle was performed by God on his behalf. He was delivered. His work was not yet done. Jesus had something for him to do. And we learn a lesson from God's deliverance that he gave to John the Beloved. And that lesson is what I said earlier. Every one of us who are followers of Christ are immortal till our work is done. Not until God has finished his work with us will he crown us with his crown of righteousness. Whether it is through persecution or death, anyone, the Lord will not allow you to be destroyed until your work on this earth is done. The enemies may try, Satan may try various ways to destroy you, but unless your work is done, you are immortal and you will remain on this earth. The Lord had not finished using John, and when he was put into the cauldron of boiling oil, he was saved, and he preached a message to those who put him there, and they brought him out. 
in Revelation 1 verse 9, it says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what do we learn from here? He was sent to the island of Patmos and condemned there to die because of his faith. It was done by the man called Emperor Domitian, who we will talk about just a bit later on. As we read in Conflict and Courage, page 361, John actually preached. They said to him, Thus perish all who believe in that deceiver, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's what they called Jesus, a deceiver. But John replied to them and said, My master patiently submitted to all that Satan and his angels could devise to humiliate and torture him. He gave his life to save the world. I am honored in being permitted to suffer for his sake. I am weak. I am a weak, sinful man. Christ was wholly harmless, undefiled. He did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. This was the words of John. End of quote. And this is a lesson that we must repeat, it, repeat to ourselves. Hear the words of John. Can you say that under persecution? We must learn to say it. For me, I would say, when I remember my sins, just like John said, and it's not because I'm reading here, but I'm, I remember my sins. Just like Peter remembered his sins. When he was about to be crucified, he did not see it as something, oh, they are oppressing me, poor me, that is so righteous and holy, look at what they are doing to me. He saw it as something they should bring on. He was happy to pass through it because he felt so bad for what he did when he denied Jesus. So when he was being crucified, he remembered that day when he denied Jesus and he knew that there was nothing to complain about, that if there was any deserving punishment he wanted or that if there was anything he deserved, it was punishment indeed. And for us too, we must always remember, we are sinful people. When we weep when we are persecuted, when we carry ourselves in self-pity, what are we actually trying to say? That we are righteous people who do not deserve what we are passing through? Is that what we are saying? If we have a sense of our sinfulness, we would say like John, I am a weak sinful man. Why did he say that? He's saying, whatever you want to do to me, I deserve it. My master who did not deserve it, when they were punishing him, when they were persecuting him, he did not complain. He did not drown himself in self-pity. And he was a pure holy man. What more, I who am so sinful, should I complain? Should I be troubled? Should I drain myself in self-pity? Saying, oh, look at what they are doing to me. And then I start to weep as though I don't deserve what I'm passing through. As though if God were to actually deal with me according to what I deserve, that this is not exactly what I deserve. We must understand one that we are sinful men and if not for the death of jesus on the cross of calvary we are deserving of death and secondly we must also realize that persecution and affliction is not so bad as we think i mean being afflicted for righteousness sake being persecuted for righteousness sake it is an honor and that's why we are told to rejoice john received a vision now when he was put in the island of patmos Part of the visions he received from Jesus was concerning even greater persecution that was coming ahead. Concerning the first church, Ephesus, we have already studied that where they lost their first love and John tried to help them to come back to their first love. But then, the next phase of the church was not going to be a funny one when the Lord spoke to John concerning the next phase of the church. In the book of Revelation 2, reading from verse 8 to 11, it says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, 
These things said the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which, which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Amen. You see, during that time, it was a man called Diocletian, Emperor Diocletian, who persecuted the Lord's people sorely. He was the one who put John into that cauldron of boiling oil. Christians were haunted like the beasts of prey and utterly destroyed. Reading from Great Controversy, page 40, it says, These persecutions beginning under Nero, about the time of the martyrdom of Paul, continued with greater or less fury for centuries. Christians were falsely accused of the most dreadful crimes and declared to be the cause of great calamities, famine, pestilence, and earthquake. As they became the objects of popular hatred and suspicion, informers stood ready for the sake of gain to betray the innocent. They were condemned as rebels against the empire, as foes of religion, and pests to society. Great numbers were thrown to wild beasts or burned alive in the amphitheaters. Some were crucified, others were covered with the skin of wild animals and thrust into the arena to be torn by dogs. Their punishment was often made the chief, the chief entertainment at public feats. Vast multitudes assembled to enjoy the sight and greeted their dying agonies with laughter and applause. Wherever they sought refuge, the followers of Christ were haunted like beasts of prey. They were forced to seek concealment in desolate and solitary places, destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. That's verse 37 and 38. The catacombs afforded shelter for thousands. Beneath the hills outside the city of Rome, long galleries had been tunneled through the earth and rock. The dark and intricate network of passages extended for miles beyond the city walls. In these underground retreats, the followers of Christ buried their dead, and here also, when suspected and proscribed, they found a home. When the life-giver shall awaken, those who have fought the good fight, many a martyr for Christ's sake will come forth from those gloomy caverns. Under the fiercest persecution, these witnesses for Jesus kept their faith unsolid. Though deprived of every comfort, shut away from the light of the sun, making their home in the dark but friendly bosom of the earth, they uttered no complaint. Let me not go further and make this one sink. And I think this is a lesson that I and all of us may need to learn. To utter no complaint under the fiercest persecution. I continue to read and it says, With words of faith, patience and hope, they encouraged one another to endure privation and distress. 
The loss of every earthly blessing could not force them to renounce their belief in Christ. Trials and persecutions were but steps bringing them nearer their rest and their reward. Like God's servants of old, many were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. These called to mind the words of their master that when persecuted for Christ's sake, they were to be exceeding glad, for great would be their reward in heaven. For so the prophets had been persecuted before them. They rejoiced that they were accounted worthy to suffer for the truth, and songs of triumph ascended from the midst of crackling flames. Looking upward by faith, they saw Christ and angels leaning over the battlements of heaven, gazing upon them with the deepest interest and regarding their steadfastness with approval. A voice came down to them from the throne of God, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Revelation 2 verse 10 In vain were Satan's efforts to destroy the church of Christ by violence. The great controversy in which the disciples of Jesus yielded up their lives did not cease when these faithful standard bearers fell at their post. By defeat, they conquered. God's workmen were slain, but his work went steadily forward. The gospel continued to spread and the number of its adherents to increase. It penetrated into regions that were inaccessible even to the eagles of Rome. Said a Christian expostulating with the hidden rulers who were urging forward the persecution. You may kill us, torture us, condemn us. Your injustice is the proof that we are innocent, nor does your cruelty avail you. It was but a stronger invitation to bring others to their persuasion. The oftener we are mown down by you, the more in number we grow. The blood of Christians is seed. Thousands were imprisoned and slain, but others sprang up to fill their places, and those who were martyred for their faith were secured to Christ and accounted of him as conquerors. They had fought the good fight, and they were to receive the crown of glory when Christ should come. The sufferings which they endured brought Christians nearer to one another and to their Redeemer. Their living example and dying testimony were a constant witness for the truth and where least expected. The subjects of Satan were leaving his service and enlisting the banner of Christ. End of quote. You see, as we have been going through these devotions that talk about persecution, perhaps the Lord is trying to speak to someone to make you understand what is coming ahead of you or to help you through what you are passing right now whether it is persecution in your home. One thing that must be reiterated to for us is this. We must conduct ourselves peacefully and joyfully and cheerfully under persecution because that is what will help those who are looking at us to realize that the religion which we follow and the faith that we have is one that passes through the gloom of death. It goes beyond that. If not, we will not have peace. Nero died shaking and trembling. Why? Because he did not have any peace. He didn't have the hope of a better life. But Christians die, as we see now, as we have read, die with hope. Remembering that the Lord said they should rejoice, they rejoiced. They did not make themselves look fearful and make their knees to knock as though they were not brave people. But they braved death. We are to brave the persecutions that we are passing through today in whatever form it comes. 
people have passed through worse things than ourselves. Has anybody burnt you on the stake? Has anyone persecuted you the way these people were persecuted? I advise you, look for the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and read it. And then when you read that book, you will blush with shame for the way you may have responded to the little persecutions you have passed through. When you see little ones, when you see women, young ladies, braving persecution, being burned at the stake, being tortured in very cruel ways, pierced with spears, burned on the stake, some of them not necessarily killed, hung up to the ceiling and being tortured with them being naked and flogged and all of that. When you read about these things and you wonder at yourself and say, what have I endured in this life? Why should I ever complain over my lot? What is my problem? What is my own problem? My child? My friends who are turning their backs on me? Or the loss of my job? Or the fact that I don't have so much money? Or my wife? Or my husband that is turning their back on me right now? Is that a persecution? Maybe it is, but compare that with what these people pass through and you will be encouraged to rejoice that you are persecuted for righteousness sake and to get courage and bravery to face whatever it is that the Lord has seen fit to give to you. But now as we near the end of time, Satan is preparing to repeat the same persecutions that was done in the past. But it is directed at those that keep the commandments of God. An angel is heard confessing and testifying to the cruelty of Satan's plots. He cries in the book of Revelation 12 verse 12, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. But upon whom is this wrath directed? Revelation 12 verse 17 And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. We were told in our devotion before, in Conflict and Courage, page 360, paragraph 4, Jesus does not present to his followers the hope of attaining earthly glory and riches, of living a life free from trial. Instead, he calls upon them to follow him in the path of self-denial and reproach. End of quote. So, this is what we are expecting. We today are not passing through the same kind of persecutions that these people passed through in the days of John and the days of the church called Smyrna. For 10 years, Diocletian, under his rulership, they faced fierce persecution. We are not passing through that right now, but very soon it is going to come. The book of Revelation 13, reading from verse 15, says, And he had power, that's the second beast of Revelation 13, he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused it all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bound, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save him that had the mark or the, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. In these words is presented to us something that we are expecting to happen to us very soon. Our liberties will be taken away. Those who keep the commandments of God will again be the center of attention of the whole world. They will be attacked the way the people of Smyrna were attacked. That's the church represented as Smyrna, the people of God in that time. On account of the fact that they keep the commandments of God, 
they will be blamed for the calamities on the earth and they will be punished like we read now they will even be killed reading from last day events page 146 paragraph 2 it says the same masterful mind that plotted against the faithful in ages past is still seeking to rid the earth of those who fear god and obey his law wealth genius education will combine to cover them with contempt persecuting rulers ministers and church members will conspire against them with voice and pen by boasts threats and ridicule they will seek to overthrow their faith there will come a time when because of our advocacy of bible truth we shall be treated as traitors amen this is not talking about just your the persecution you are facing in your home or among your friends we are talking of persecution in a global scale it is coming very soon reading great controversy page 592 we are told those who honor the bible sabbath will be denounced as enemies of law and order as breaking down the moral restraints of society causing anarchy and corruption and calling down the judgments of god upon the earth their conscientious scruples will be pronounced obstinacy stubbornness and contempt of authority they will be accused of disaffection towards the government end of quote and then in last day events page 147 paragraph 1 downward we are told all who in that evil day would fearlessly serve god according to the dictates of conscience will need courage firmness and a knowledge of god and his word for those who are true to god will be persecuted their motives will be impugned, their best efforts misrepresented, and their names cast out as evil. The persecutions of Protestants by Romanism, by which the religion of Jesus Christ was almost annihilated, will be more than rivaled when Protestantism and Popery are combined. Satan has a thousand masked batteries which will be opened upon the loyal, commandment-keeping people of God to compel them to violate conscience. We need not be surprised at anything that may take place now. We need not marvel at any developments of horror. Those who trample upon their unholy feet, the law of God, have the same spirit as had the men who insulted and betrayed Jesus. Without any compunctions of conscience, they will do the deeds of their father, the devil. Let those who desire to be refreshed in mind and instructed in the truth study the history of the early church during and immediately following the day of Pentecost. Study carefully the book of Acts and the experiences of Paul and the other apostles, for God's people in our day must pass through similar experiences. End of quote. Now, I'm not reading this for you to be afraid, but the prophecy is that in Revelation 13, we expect that a power, the second beast represented as, as that beast with um, two horns, which is USA, actually, under their leadership, this whole world will come together and will make laws that are not in harmony with the law of God. They will trample on the fourth commandment and they will push forward a spurious Sabbath. Right now, it's already going on. Preparations are being made. When we saw what happened in 2020 and 2021, the persecutions that people faced for not following government mandates, it is a similitude. It is a small example of what God's people are going to face when they refuse to fall in line with a law made by the government that is contrary to the law of God. 
when that time comes and it is coming very soon, we need to have that courage to stand. Because even as we speak, I hear news of people's liberties being taken from them. It was just a few days ago I heard of 10 people in the US who were pro-life advocates. They are not in support of abortion. They, they speak against it. But just because of their views, they were taken by the FBI to court and charged to pay heavy fines and also threatened with imprisonment. There are many today who, because of their views and what they stand for, are being punished by the government. The government is using the police to attack people because of what they believe. Ask not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. When you see people's liberties being taken from them and they are being punished because of their views, there is no freedom of speech. What do you think is going to happen to you in the future? Right now, it may not be you, but it is certainly coming for you. And these things are harbingers. They are telling us these things are happening to the people. They are telling us what is going to come for us when it's our turn to be not in line with what the elite and the leaders of the world propose to us. Because today, those who are not in line with what they propose are being punished. It tells us that when the time comes that we do not fall in line with them, we are also going to be punished with death, with imprisonments also. And we are told that you will not even be able to buy or sell. That is a common punishment that the U.S. does these days. They are the only ones who propose such things. Sanctions, sanctions, sanctions. What is sanction? They are sanctioning people, nations, for them not to use the banks to transact as they would want to so that they will feel a pinch and they will force them to fall in line when they see that they cannot buy or sell. We are coming to such a time. But we must develop ourselves now so that we can stand firm in that day. How can we stand firm? Last day events, page 150, paragraph 6 and downward, we are told, We shall find that we must let loose of all hands except the hand of Jesus Christ. Friends will prove treacherous and will betray us. Relatives deceived by the enemy will think they do God's service in opposing us and putting forth the utmost efforts to bring us into hard places, hoping we will deny our faith. But we may trust our hand in the hand of Christ amid darkness and peril. The only way in which men will be able to stand firm in the conflict is to be rooted and grounded in Christ. They must receive the truth as it is in Jesus. And it is only as the truth is presented thus that it can meet the wants of the soul. The preaching of Christ crucified, Christ our righteousness, is what satisfies the soul hunger. When we secure the interest of the people in this great central truth, faith and hope and courage come to heart. End of quote. And I say, Amen. So how can we stand firm? As only when the truth meets the wants of our soul and it does meet the wants of our soul we must receive the truth as it is in jesus for that is the only way we can stand firm in the conflict to be rooted and grounded in christ so are you rooted and grounded in christ what does it mean to be rooted and grounded in christ it means to have christ crucified as your righteousness as the satisfaction of your soul hunger it means to know that you have a clear conscience that all your sins have been given over to him and they are forgiven. It means to believe in him as the sin-pardoning Savior. And knowing that you have a clear conscience before him, 
you will have a courage and firmness to meet the conflict that is coming ahead of you. You will not shake because the great truth is now made central in your heart. Then you will be able to stand. Last day events, page 151, paragraph 2 says, Many because of their faith will be cut off from house and heritage here. But if they will give their hearts to Christ, receiving the message of his grace and resting upon their substitute and surety, even the Son of God, they may still be filled with joy. End of quote. Amen. Hmm. We need to settle it in our hearts that our possessions, your money, your house, and all that you have labored to acquire can be taken away from you by the powers that be and taken away unjustly. And if this happens like we just read, if we receive the message of Christ's grace and rest upon him as the substitute and surety of our souls, we can still be filled with joy. It's a painful experience and I'm not downplaying it at all. But we must remove our minds from our losses. We must take away our minds from the oppression that we pass through and focus on what we are gaining through Christ, on the mansions he has prepared for us, on the fact that whatever we lose, Jesus will more than repay us. For everything we lose on this earth, Jesus is going to counterwork it and give us blessings, whether in this life or in the life to come. We must have a faith that looks between within the veil so that we can see our mansions prepared for us and we can see eternal life, eternity, oh, eternity waiting for us so that we do not mourn and go sorrowful and lose our joy on this earth because of the oppression of the oppressor. Reading from Letter 16, 1896, Manuscript Releases, Volume 12, page 305, Paragraph 3, speaking to a certain people we are, they are told our period of toil, my brother, my sister, will soon be at an end. We shall see Jesus and be made like him. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in robes, in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them, and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them into living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Revelation chapter 7, verse 13 to 17. We shall surely see and realize all these blessings. Trust in the Lord, and He will strengthen thy faith. End of quote. Have courage, my brother. Take courage, my sister. Whatever it is you are passing through, there's something coming ahead of us that is even worse, and we must prepare ourselves for it by being rooted and grounded in the truth, so that we may realize all the blessings that the Lord has prepared for us so that persecution will not make us run away from the truth. May the Lord give us grace to stand firm in that day. Let us pray. Lord in heaven, your word has said to us that indeed the Lord did not promise us earthly glories, but we are told that we who live godly shall suffer persecution. 
We know it is coming for us, Lord. Teach us how to bear it. Teach us how to rejoice under persecution. Teach us how, Lord, to be self-forgetful and rather to think of others while under the fiercest oppression and persecution. Lord, in our own selves, we are very weak. We have no strength of our own. Were we to see trouble right now, our knees will knock and we will run. The natural response we will have is to give up our faith when we see ourselves threatened with death and with torture and with loss of earthly things. But Lord, we have learned that if we are rooted and grounded in the truth, we will prize the truth above all these things and rejoice because we have the truth even if we lose all things on the earth, even our own lives. Lord, prepare us to have such an experience that we will not run away from the truth because we are losing our earthly possessions of our lives, but that we will hold the truth even if it makes us lose our lives. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.